What's going on, beautiful people? I hope you're having a lovely Thursday. <laughs> you know, it's your girl, Miss Thursday. And um, I want to thank you guys for just uh, joining in on the season finale <laughs> of Beats Per Minute podcast, where hip hop, health, and matters of the heart are always in sync. Again, I am your host, Miss Thursday. And um, I am so excited about uh, tonight's episode because it's really almost like um, like a full circle moment or it's poetic and all that good stuff. And, and I know y'all don't know why and my guest doesn't even know why. So let me get into it. So <laughs> uh, when I first made the decision to start this podcast, you know, I looked out in the atmosphere to see who might be doing something similar, um, close to or whatever, you know, um, I just wanted to get an idea of like what the need would be. Um, you know, at first I really actually wanted to do a podcast just focusing on DJs, just to love on DJs and give them their shine that I felt like they deserved. And, um, somehow it morphed into the idea of bringing my two passions health and hip hop together and also giving space to talk about like real life things about, you know, going through grief about, you know, um, dealing with, um, you know, different issues in life and um, giving a platform to hip hop artists and people in the community that have, you know, really just went through, you know, whether they were artists back in the day and now they're just working a regular 95 and, you know, what that feels like, whatever the case might be, I just wanted to have something different. And when I looked out, I came across this podcast called Hip Hop Can Save America. I immediately subscribed. I immediately subscribed to the newsletter. And it is still a little unreal that I am actually speaking to the person that became my mentor from afar and my inspiration for wanting to really do something positive in this hip hop space. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to the world, if you do not know this man uh, on my side, <laughs> thank you for, Ms., uh, you know, just a, a big thank you and a welcome from uh, BPM to Mr. Manny Faces. Manny, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, really, come on, <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting all of that now. I know, I know. That's what I said, you know, little, little, little uh, drama, but I, I, I appreciate the appreciation. I really do. That's, you know, I, I, I know, I, I'm really good with <laughs> words. I know all the words, and I don't I have, you, I don't though. have many words right now. So I, I, I appreciate you. Yeah, that was that was dope. I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm glad I, I um, you know. And I've watched, like, obviously, what you're doing. When, you know, we talked, and you know, I'll be here. But you know, and, and I see that. Oh, this is a natural connection because we do the same, like, we're in the same mind space. I think. And mm -hmm. you came on my show, and you know, we're we're lingering and participating, and and I, mm -hmm. so now I see that that's because we're in the same mind space. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mm -hmm. uh, I really do appreciate you, and I um. Definitely just wanted to thank you, you know, for what you do and um, and wanted to make sure that if no one else ever tells you 
that you know you have inspired them um or that you've you know um even just given them the the idea that like i don't have to do this like everybody else i can do this and and create my own lane and you know and no matter what just stay in that you know so i want to say thank you so much for you know just being you doing what you do um being so supportive you know i was super it was like shocking to me <laughs> when i saw you in that group because i was like wait a minute that's <laughs> you know i'm like and he's just like yeah i'll just be on anybody's and i'm like really <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, so I'm like, let me shoot my shot. Hundred <laughs> percent. I, you know, half the time I like, and I appreciate, I really do, I appreciate it. And and you know, half the time as as if someone is like, who's this guy? You'll find out. But mm-hmm. you know, I like, I a lot of times I'm like, nah, I, I should be on every. Everyone should be reaching out to me. I'm, I know it all. I've done all this work. I, I study the game. I'm mad supportive. Uh, and then sometimes I'm like, all right, no, it's fine. You know, it's, it's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm who am I? I'm just a guy. It's cool. So I'm very humble. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes, like, I don't know. So I really actually do, I, I, you know, it means a lot when somebody values what I have to say or, you know, bring to the table. Because we all got things to say. Everybody got things to say. And we know there's a plethora of people <laughs> out there who will find any place to say it. Um, Absolutely. But, but if you're a discerning kind of person, you're like, oh, let me get, you know, the right kind of people. And you, mm-hmm. have, a, you have a focus. And 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 then you reach out to me and say, oh, I see what you're doing. And I think that would be valuable to, to the people that pay attention to me. That's, you know, I'm honored for that. So, yeah. No problem. Thanks. yeah. So, you know, going to just get this little party started, right? All right. Normally, I like to ask, you know, everyone that comes on the show, what was that song or that thing that, you know, made you want to be a part of this hip hop community? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I grew, so I grew up in New York. I'm, uh, as you could probably tell, cause I talk fast and, and uh, <laughs> I'm in Atlanta now. So I, I tell people like, I'm from New York. They're like, we know, we know, um, <clears throat> see me, uh, but I grew up in long Island. So we were, you know, the sixth borough, you know, right outside of Queens, you know, it was about 20 minutes from Queens border. And so we were, and I'm about the age of, of hip hop, give or take. So, you know, kind of coming up at the same time and, it's uh-huh. funny. I was, I was just giving props to Molly Mall on on Facebook uh-huh. today because I saw he got the, uh, you know, the I am hip hop award hip-hop. and, and yeah. Molly, like as a as an early like trying to get into like pr- producing and DJing like Molly Mall was somebody. So of course we had those two radio station you know icons Red Alert and Mr Magic, and so I'd be in the in the basement of my man Craig House in Westbury Long Island and we'd be there Friday Saturday nights and you know that's what was on the radio Friday and Saturday nights you only could have hip hop on the on the on the air like from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday is the only time rap would be on the radio. So around that time. So, you know, 80s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it, you know, it was in the in the atmosphere. The song that did it, I mean, because everyone has the song and it's my melody. Uh, <gasps> him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when I heard that now, I we had heard because stuff had come out before that. And we, mm-hmm. you know, but man, that was that like was like it's you know you stopped and it was like what is this and is just that? the sonics yeah. of it and the the lyricism and the you know obviously Rakim just a transformational MC uh-huh. the sonics of it were so like unearthly you know what I mean and it just hit and we were like yo and then of course you know that'd be the thing you want to hear again and again you go find it and that was the song so that was the one that did it yep yeah Rakim so Eric B for president was the one for me okay. Um, 
it stays, you know, I still play it on a regular. It, I had never heard anything like it. But my melody is 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 definitely like one of those songs, like just the idea of that like whistle, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was it was just crazy, you know, and I don't think that, you know, we even give, you know, because a lot of us, we always talk about Rakim, the God MC, and right. he deserves all that, but we don't talk about Eric B enough. Right, right. You know I mean, so I feel like, you know, um, we have to, we have to make sure that especially those of us that come from that era and we know how important the DJs and the DJs becoming producers and all of that was that, you know, we include them in that conversation. And I was going to say, I think like Molly, Molly Mall also had some connection to them. Like Eric B mm-hmm. was, was, you know, over in Queensbridge too. So there was that yeah. kind of Long Island to Queensbridge connection. I was from Long Island, so you know, Rob being, you know, or Eric being Rakim, you know, but Rakim being like a wine dance dude, like from, mm-hmm. you know, and like you know, you felt some kind of pride for all that. Um, of absolutely, like just the, the matter of fact, that whole first, you know, album and just you know, sonically and you know, lyrically and delivery wise, to me, changed the game. It's always mm-hmm. why it's, it's why if you're gonna ask, you know, he's he's Rakim's always my my top, you know, one mm-hmm. of five. It was just a transformational thing. If you were alive in the time before and after, you know that. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're cognizant of it before and after, then you know. So yeah, because yeah. you know it's always funny, and um, you know, and I um, you know, have said at different times. You know, I heard um Chuck D say once that you know when we talk about like uh eras or generations in hip hop, it's really like every five years, not every ten years. And when you really look at it, like every five years, the music has changed. So like when you think about like the early 80s going into like 85, 86, and you have the Eric B and Rock Helms coming out, it's like, you know, now there's this whole different sound and this idea of like a really like lyrical, you know, rapper, you know, you have, um, you know, then of course, Slick Rick and, you know, and um, Big Daddy Kane and all these people coming out. And like, now you're hearing these stories that's like a little bit different than what Running Them might've been doing or what the Fat Boys and them was doing, but it was still like just dope. It was still, you know, but it was just, it just became different, you know? And um, it, it's it's so cool when you think about like you know we was there you know what I mean like to right. kind of hear and see some of that stuff and you know and it's it's always um, just fun when you get to hear the stories behind the stories and all that stuff but yeah yeah Indeed. but that's dope. yeah so a really uh, major thing because I actually um, have been you know kind of like you know maybe about five years ago when my brother first passed away, I was really looking to, um, I knew I wanted to be able to do something to help. Like I felt like, um, you know, when my brother passed, um, there was a lot of the first generation hip hop artists that he had been doing panels with that, you know, had reached out and was so loving to me and, you know, just checking in on a regular basis. And I wanted to, you know, find a way to be able to give back to the hip hop community. And then also I became really hyper aware of how many hip hop artists were passing away, you know, from strokes and heart attacks and, you know, and different things like that. 
And um, and I did, you know, I came across over the years, you know, different things and like, so even, um, you know, your foundation, you know, um, was one of the things I came across. So can you kind of talk about like, you know, becoming a music lover or, or a hip hop lover, you know, DJing and going into this space where you become not just, um, you know, an activist, but someone who really is like pushing for the idea that hip hop mm -hmm. is more than just music. It is a culture and it can literally help in so many different spaces. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was a very jagged path, I guess, but it, mm -hmm. you know, from, from early days, I did get involved in the music side of hip hop. So I did get involved in the music making side. I was, I started DJing. My dad was a jazz and blues connoisseur. So we had records and he had tape, you know, reel to reels, you know, so, but he was playing music from, you know, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties. So I was getting a lot of early doo-wop stuff. I was getting a lot. So I got into the music side of things and I said, let me, let me learn DJ. And that seemed fun. And he had turntables and records. And so I'm, cutting up his turntables he didn't like very much uh <laughs> for that as all young djs did back then <clears throat> we all got yelled at from our, our dads it's not meant for that um <clears throat> but so 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 i say that to say that that got me into djing it sort of got me into like trying to replicate the beats i always wanted to play the drums in school mm -hmm. they, like when you go to band they don't let you do drums and i was like fine i'll play the harmonica they were like we don't <laughs> we don't we don't do that either can you, you want, Here's a cello. And I'm like, I don't want the cello. Yeah, they was always trying to give the cello away. Because nobody wants the cello. And I'm like, I wanted the harmonica. They don't, we don't do the harmonica here, bro. And I'm like, anyway, so <clears throat> so I got into I got a little beat machine. I started like programming beats and trying to replicate and just get into that move. So I, I say that to say that I went into the production side, the music side for a long time. Started doing remixes and such. And some years later, years, years, years later, I was doing remixes and putting them out on the internet and my space and I was getting some acclaim. So I was kind of in the mix musically. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, culturally as well, because we had people who were, you know, of the culture doing things related to music, but not always the music itself. So you start to pick up on some of that. But later in life, as as you know, you know, you get older and you start seeing people that are doing things that are sort of deeper, right? Mm -hmm. A deeper intersection between the music and the culture and the rest of society, right? Mm -hmm. And this to, this really came to me when I said, uh, around mid two thousand, late 2000s, I was working for a newspaper on Long Island, the Long Island Press. They're still around. I'm not with them anymore. And um, so I worked and and, and so I got myself into journalism. Now I was a writer. I could write. I wasn't a writer by trade. I wasn't anything by trade, to be honest. But I got in where I fit in, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started doing graphic design for the newspaper. I started working with these journalists that were really great. They were like the kind of scrappy journalists that would like go after the cops, the crooked cops. You know what I mean? They, they would go after the... The, the company that tried to build a office on top of like bad soil from a, you know, cancer causing agent isn't, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is dope. These guys are like, they're grimy. Like, they're, yeah. they're, yeah, they're gritty. They, they, it's not the, not, not the corporate newspaper. They don't, the corporate newspaper is like, uh, but we actually went after the corporate newspaper. Like, you know what I mean? For like fabricating their uh, distribution numbers and stuff. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I like these guys. These guys are hip hop. These guys are like, Right. They get in, they go through the back door. If you're not letting them in the front door, they'll figure it out. So I liked it. It was scrappy. And I was like, ah, oh, let me start doing this. So I started this. I was in New York late two thousands. So you mm -hmm. can, you already know New York hip hop is dead, right? 
Houston is popping. Atlanta is becoming the new, you know, center point. And they're kind of, you know, side eye in New York hip hop. Now we, we are, will and always be the Mecca, but you know, I understand because the, uh, the media would go where the money is. And if it's popping in the strip club culture down South, it's popping out in Houston. They're not paying attention to, to New York anymore. New York rappers starting to sound like trying to sound like out of staters to try to get put on. So we're in an identity crisis in New York, but I started sticking my nose around New York city. And I saw that were people who were doing music mm-hmm. independent scene, uh, ended a week of 15 year running Sunday showcase freestyle Mondays, a you know, 15 year running mm-hmm. like uh, freestyle battle, you know, that was going on every week. There were independent artists that would travel the, the world and then come back and touch down in New York and sell out, you know, a, a, a venue and everyone's singing along their lyrics, but you never heard this person on the radio. You never seen them in the source. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. There's a big, this uh, happening here. Mm-hmm. I started covering it. I started a, 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 a an online pay, um, publication called birthplace magazine, birthplace mm-hmm. hip hop. I did that for a bunch of years and I covered the scene and I was the guy. I was the guy out there in all the indie shows and I was writing up all the new releases and I had a calendar of events and we, uh, nobody, nobody, I could safely say nobody, at least at this time, was more uh, supportive of New York's hip hop scene than I was. Gotcha. Nobody. But while I was doing that, I, I ran into artists who were like, yeah, I'm an indie artist. I do these records and I, you know, so that, but I also go into Rikers Island on the weekends and I talk with the young men that are, you know, uh, you know, incarcerated folk. And we work out, we have workshops and we do poetry and hip hop. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Then I find mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, I'm a teacher. I teach, mm-hmm. you know, in in PS whatever. And I'm able to bring, incorporate my, you know, hip hop into the classroom. I'm not even a rapper. I'm not even an MC, but I'm a school psychologist. And I've set up this small recording studio in the school in the Bronx and we have kids come in on their, you know, free periods and they work out their trauma because mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the Bronx they're in these neighborhoods that are rough and tumble. We work out their trauma through music, through this mm-hmm. little studio project that I got a grant for. And I started to say, wow, dang, there's so many people like using hip hop in, mm-hmm. in these ways to get to what you're talking about that can be helpful and can be, you know, uh, I knew people that were, that we, we had a program that uses rap to teach financial literacy to kids. I'm like, oh God, well, we all need that. So <laughs> I find out all these people that are doing these wonderful things. And I'm like, ah, who's telling these stories? Cause you don't know, you don't hear about this. At all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, this may be kind of where I need to focus a little bit more. So at some point, fast forward, long story short, I sunset, you know, birthplace magazine. I said, I love New York, uh, but, but the folks that are doing this kind of work, they're, they're worldwide, they're nationwide and they're global. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if I want to start telling their stories a little bit more, that's probably where I need to focus. And so I started the the nonprofit as sort of a, a home for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did some writing and then that's where the, the podcast came into play. I said, well, you know, I'm a journalist. Um, I got audio background. I was already dabbling in, in, in podcasting way mm-hmm. before it became a thing. And I said, well, this is probably the best medium for me to be able to, you know, tell these stories or interview these folks who are doing this work. And that's the path that basically I took. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I am now. It's That's stuck because that work, I think, is is sort of, I guess, you know, my calling mm-hmm. for, for a better lack of a better word. Tell those stories that are people who are doing the work that can use hip hop authentically connect, you know, mm-hmm. use their authentic connection with hip hop in ways that can uplift humanity. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. how I got here. I think that's dope. And I think that it's important because, you know, um, when you think of it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, generally anyone that is, you know, um, been around long enough to have seen either the birth of hip hop or came along once hip hop had begun or, you know, um, grew up always hearing it because, you know, sometimes it's always weird to think like my kids have never lived in a world without hip hop, you know? And I mean, I was, you know, a toddler when hip hop, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was, you know, by the time I realized what was going on, I was a little bit older and they had been around for a little bit, but someone like my brother and, you know, and different people of that era that remember a time when it wasn't, you know, um, these are the people who are teaching and going to, you know, and, and doing whatever. And so, you know, when it's something that has become a part of you or like for me, I always felt like, you know, hip hop was um, more than just music. It, it really was a culture. Yeah. Um, it's the way that we dressed. It was the way that we talked. It was the way that we communicated with each other. It was, you know, um, really just a, a, a community. And so from that community as a nurse, you know, right. I'm using hip hop to want to make sure that I'm, um, you know, able to help someone or, you know, be able to talk more about health literacy and, and you know, and, and equality and about grief and, you know, and, and mental, you know, um, things that we kind of go on, you know what I mean? Um, thanks, cuz, like, you know, he's talking about, I still suck on my thumb, never suck on my thumb. But anyway, you know, <laughs> you have to, you know, um, all these people in the world that have found ways to, you know, use hip hop to teach them and use hip hop to teach, um, you know, um, all these different aspects, you know, because, um, like I thought it was really dope when, when you started seeing professors, you know, at different colleges actually using rap lyrics, you know, in their classes and breaking down, you know, Jay-Z verses or Nas verses or whatever, um, you know, even, you know, the hip hop artists themselves, you know, for a while, Bun B was teaching at the University of Houston, you know, so that's, you know, it's like, it's, it's put us in spaces that, you know, I, I'm sure we probably would have not, you know, some of us might not have been in if it wasn't for, you know, this culture. And so it's almost like, the culture is just given back to itself, you know? Right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it can, it does. It, there's so many examples of what you're talking about. Obviously, you know, of them, I know of them. A lot of people don't most, sure, most, yeah. most people don't, most of the hip hop heads don't even because they end up being jaded by, you know, the way the, the commercial aspect of the rap music side of the entertainment yeah. side of the entire culture yeah. Fed to the world. So when I started seeing this, I'm like, you know, you talk about professors. You, I mean, I interviewed folks that, you know, they teach uh, 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 literary devices by, you know, you, you, Shakespeare is confusing, but let me show you these J. Cole verses and how he's using similes, metaphors, and, and how William Shakespeare did it. Same thing, the same theory. You know, mm-hmm. financial literacy, computer coding. Uh, you know, when I seen they, they, this, this wonderful program uh, called Breakbeat Code, where young yeah. folks in four hours, these 14, 15 year olds never touched a computer, never learned about computer program, didn't even know that was a thing. You mm-hmm. sit them down in front of a computer and in a few minutes, they 
they're they're building beats by pulling from a repository of 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 loops, you know, and, wow. and stacking the loops like we did on you know Fruity Loops. Shout some of my producer heads in the house, you know what I mean, <laughs> or or even on an MPC or whatever. And they're doing it, but you can't just drag and drop. You got to right. program and say, you know, call, you know, from bin one, loop nine, place it at spot one, go for four bars, but all through Python programming. I'm like, yo, like it's like you said, it makes sense, right? It makes, mm-hmm. first of all, we all learned how to like learn from music. Like we all learned mm-hmm. from A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's a, that's a rap right there. That's bars. You know, we learned a, we learned a cleanup song. Like we know that inherently that works. Sesame Street was just like you know what I mean. Um, Sesame Street. What was it? Um, uh, what was the other one? Other company. Exactly. Like you know, Schoolhouse Rock. Like all 100%. of it. Is always, so you know, it's all, in, it's all in the DNA. And hip hop is just like the 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 cooler, but also the 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 more vast way to take that and amplify it because you know. You could learn the, the subjects, the you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, and it's easy, right? You could say, oh, and they did this. I when I one of the earliest things I, I found was an organization called Fresh Prep. I don't think they're around anymore, but they're in New York City. Big New York Times story on them. And I met one of the teaching artists who was also like one of the artists that I knew. And he's like, Yo, we got this program, it's called Fresh Prep. And in New York, you have these things, these regents exams, which are like, you know, state, you know, qualifying exams for high school. And in some of these schools, you know, these kids weren't getting all the right, you know, educational love and, and resources. So they were, you know, failing. They brought in teaching artists, said, okay, these rappers know how to take the material and put it in the form of a song. The kids know how to memorize songs because we all know how to memorize songs. Next thing you know, they memorize all the material. People that had failed the course, the, the test like two or three times, now all of a sudden 80-something percent were passing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, like, First of all, so the first question comes to me, and I'm not educated traditionally in that I don't have a degree or whatever, but I'm the son of a professor of sociology, uh, a distinguished professor and was brilliant. So I got a lot of like that osmosis. So I'm looking at him like, why we, as an educator, why are we not doing this everywhere? Like if, I don't understand if it works, like we all know, I could sit right now and recite rap songs from 1980, whatever, you know what I mean? We know how to, and then, on top of that, you find out people are like, yes, and, and they're like, we can memorize stuff. We can also use it to help with creativity and creative thinking and, you know, self-expression and emotion and self-esteem. And, you know, and again, we're talking about, look, I'm a, I'm not of those communities, you know what I mean? But I recognize the need for like outside of the box thinking to erase the effects of, you know, oppressive educational, right. you know, uh, uh, methodologies that have been harmful all these mm-hmm. decades and and, and, you know, and centuries. So I'm like, why aren't we doing more of this? And it just it became clear because you know, my dad was brilliant, brilliant professor, uh, taught sociology, taught urban studies, sociology of minorities. My dad was kind of woke before woke was a thing. Like I, I <laughs> joked that when I was eight, I knew what gentrification meant. Like my dad would put me on early. And we grew up in, you know, in a neighbor, you know, I won't say the hood, but in a neighborhood. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> it wasn't the hood, but it was like hood adjacent. We were, you know what I mean? So I had experiences in cultural immersion. And all of that to me was like, if we got ways to help people, especially young kids, again, who come from communities where they're underfunded, under-resourced, underloved by the institutions, why aren't we doing this more? And the answer, because I started asking the questions to say to Dr. Bettina Love and them, like, why, why aren't, she says, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. We take this to the school boards. We take this to the teachers and they don't get it. They just think rap and bad and, you know, violence and terrible things, you know, AKA the othering that, you know, obviously since the beginning of time and she was, and we have to 
find ways to, you know, work the system and get it in. I said, okay, all right. I said, what would probably help you in my mind is more journalism, you know, talking about these things, more research, talking about these things. Like if you had actually, I, I did a research, a small research study a few years ago, but now more research is being done by the academics and the, the nerdy nerds that know how to do all that stuff. And that's great because when you go to these school districts, now you can hold the papers and you shot, you got the receipts now. You got right. research that shows they didn't have that, you know, five, six, 10 years ago. So we're seeing more and more of it being accepted. But I said, well, maybe my job is just, you know, amplify it, tell the stories and give them sort of the ammunition they might need so that they know what we know. Dr. Bettina Love said it the best. She says, in hip hop, we just know it. Mm-hmm. She says, well, you'll be in a cypher. Let's say you're in a, a dance cypher, right? And you, you know, you just walk up on a cypher, but you're a dancer. You recognize a dance cypher. You kind of get in the, now you're in a cypher. You wait and you're seeing people dancing. She says, nobody like raises their hand and says, can I dance now? Like, right. you, don't, you, you never met these people. You've never been here, but you know the unspoken language mm-hmm. and when to go. You don't interrupt somebody. You know when the time is done. You kind of wait your turn. You go in, you don't hog it. You do your little piece and you step back out. It's respect. It's an unspoken language. She goes, we know that. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to describe that in the terms that the institutions need. She goes, that's social and emotional learning. That's what they call it. Yeah. Right? Social, right? She goes, so when you tell them that, they're like, Oh, oh, now I get it. So you're in the health field. It's the same thing. When you say, listen, oh, I, I want to bring these, you know, this, this mentality into the, the, you know, the hospital or the nurse or whatever. They say, oh, that doesn't make sense. Music. Why would you bring, you know, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? This is culturally relevant, you know, uh, diagnosis or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's understanding the patient better. It's knowing their, you know, their, their cultural cues and, and finding a way to, you know, uh, understand them better. And it's that language barrier that we have to, you know, among other things, among, you know, all the higher level race, racism, basically, but you know, Mm -hmm. all the things that we have to battle to try to get these, because it just makes sense. Like you said in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the coolest um, shows that I did, you know, thus far, and I've been blessed to have, you know, some really great guests this first season, you know, appreciate, you know, everyone that has been on. um, But one of, the funner ones, I guess I should say, and that's not a word, but it was really fun. Um, but, all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I had a really good friend of mine um, who, you know, was an old co-worker. She was a speech, you know, language pathologist. And we talked about how hip hop can actually help, um, you know, people who have suffered stroke. You know, when I, I read a story about, um, you know, um, this doctor in California, who, you know, worked with stroke patients, but then he started having strokes himself and they left him paralyzed and they left him stuttering and, you know, and having a hard time to speak. And he actually used freestyling to help, like he found himself rhyming just all of a sudden. And then he started going to these freestyle events to, you know, kind of just perfect his craft and do his research, but it actually helped him to stop stuttering. And, you know, and when we talk about the idea of like, you know, teaching with music, the reason why it's so easy for, you know, cause I remember like years ago, you know, there was, um, I can't remember which album it was of LL, but it's like, you know, he's going through the alphabet on there and everybody's like, walking by and driving by near the A to B to C, you know, whatever. And I remember, you know, uh, one of my friends, her brother 
was doing it one day and and his mom's like if you can remember that why can't you remember that right. but you know, now realizing the reason why is because that's the whole totally different part of the brain right that that music, you know, we remember it, we whatever, yeah. because I've I've actually um, saw where stroke victims who couldn't, they have expressive aphasia, they couldn't even speak, mm. they couldn't do whatever, but they could literally rap any rap song, right. and it was the craziest thing I had ever seen right. in my life. Like right. it's like, it's it's like, like I heard like uh, maybe not, but stutter people who stutter don't stutter when they sing. Exactly. Right. It's just a different activation. Exactly. Yeah. And so if we are able to, you know, grab that and help that for, you know, people who may have a hard time learning traditionally or whatever, you know, it it would still be good, you know, for all. But then it's like you, you know, even like how you talked about, you know, we grew up, you know, with the nursery rhymes. We grew up watching Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and, you know, all these different shows, everybody sung, you know, me being from Jersey, you know, we had, um, also, um, what was it? Captain Kangaroo, like every song. So, you know, you know, and then at some point it's like, Oh, no, no more singing. We're going to, because it's like, you, you got to grow up and then whatever. But the funny thing is, is then when you get older and you start having issues with, Alzheimer's or dementia, they go right back to right, hundred percent. You know, and it's like it doesn't make sense to me. You know, how can also no save your question? I say I still say not only that, but again, it's a cultural. uh, It's 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 blocking someone's cultural expressiveness, right? Like when we talk about ethnic groups or you know uh, black folk in America who sing in church and who sing in a house and like there's a lot of it's part of kind of the way you move right the way you communicate right yeah. you could you could tell what someone's going through by what song they're listening to uh-huh. much less singing along to it right and then you come to school and they're like uh-uh all that no quiet yeah quiet you come in here making noise right you drumming i'm banging on the table right we all bang on the table right ba- making beats and they said ah, don't make all that ruckus well hold on because uh research shows that sometimes repetitive drum patterns or repetitive beats calm someone's anxiety Mm-hmm. Cause you saying no, don't bring that in my classroom. Don't bring that noise in this classroom. Don't bring that singing, beating, rhyming, whatever. Yeah. And, and so now you telling people this is the way they are, and you're saying in this space you can't be who you are, mm-hmm. culturally, personally, or you know, bringing your you to the table, and that 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 creates a, a from the from the beginning that creates a, a, a like a terrible experience. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you, um, you know. Just the thought process, because I was thinking, you know, and you went right into it, you know, as black and brown people, we are very musical. You know, we um, are our, our, our whole being is wrapped up a lot of times and, you know, in music and in dance and, you know, in these different things. Right. And so we also many of us that grew up in this hip hop community, we remember being in elementary school and middle school and, and on, and like you was bringing up, like you wanted to, you know, play the drums, but right. no drums. So went to harmonica, but no, give no, no, no soul. Yeah. Most of us grew up <laughs> going to choir, 
and going to, you know, you either got a violin, you got a, or they tried to bring, you know, but we played instruments. We had, you know, um, that part of art and music was just as important as your English and your math class. And then as we saw that many of the schools lost funding for those programs, then all of a sudden you now are seeing like these high numbers of ADHD and, mm. you know, behavioral issues. And right. some schools happen to have these larger programs for kids who can't be in a regular classroom. And you almost just wonder what's the correlation right. to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they say they can't pay attention, right. you know? I don't know if this is, I hope this is a true story because this comes from somewhere deep in my, my memory. And I, I played Jeopardy. I'm on Jeopardy. I, I know things that come out of these weird places, but I, I don't know if this is true. <laughs> um, and then I tried out for Jeopardy once. It's another story. I failed. Oh, okay. You got to be really smart. Like don't think cause you get some Jeopardy answers. Yeah, you, you gotta be, you gotta be ready, man. I went to the whole, like where they really try out and it was like a hundred of us and like three, past the test it was ridiculous i was I was like what kind of architecture an ancient victorian i don't know anyway you gotta be like rosie perez off the white i say that to say like i think this is true this was back in like i don't know i want to say like the 50s when they would still do like shock treatment and lobotomies mm -hmm. like for you know when people were you know going through uh, where they thought you were Crazy. I don't know exactly what it was, but I remember the story. And even if it's not true, it, it, I'm, it, it relates. <laughs> it's based in truth. I'm sure of it. Um, the, this lady had this child who was just bouncing off the walls, couldn't stay still, was, you know, just just energetic. And you couldn't get her to focus. You couldn't get her to do anything. And they, you know, back in the days, they'd be like, oh, she has, you know, I mean, back in the back in the days, they'd be like, she, the devil is the devil's inside. Her. No, the devil's not inside her. But she's certainly like she can't focus. She's energetic. She's too wild. She's, you know, all over the place. And at the time, they would like try to you know do wild stuff to you that now would be illegal. Um, mm -hmm. But there was one doctor or psychologist or psychiatrist or, or whatever professional thing he was said, let me, let me spend some time with her and spent some time with her and came out to the, you know, like, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the meeting room, you know, not like weirdly, but, <laughs> and then came back eventually and was like, okay, you don't have a wild, uncontrollable child. You have a dancer uh -huh. and basically put her into dance and all that energy. Like he found the thing that she was trying to do or be or, or, or focus on. Like you were, she was, he was able to find it and it was the arts. Right. That's why like, I'm really hoping the story is true. Like I heard it somewhere, but it was, it was an artistic endeavor mm -hmm. that, I mean, in that case, saved, probably saved her life or probably, you know, saved her from going through a lot of trauma. And you're, you're so right. I mean, look, catch 22 though, right? Back in the seventies, when they stripped all the arts programs out of New York city, and they stripped everything out of New York City, including like, you know, police and firemen and, you know, thing. that's also what gave rise to hip hop because mm -hmm. hip hop was created as a, you know, because there was, there was all this activity. And then, of course, you don't have any arts programs, you know, kids, and they invented under those circumstances. So in some ways we say, oh, you know, you know, blessing and a curse, I guess. Right. So but yes, I mean, if we can if if these are tried and true methods or things, why aren't we spending more money on it? Well, I mean we can get i don't know where you want to go with this we can get you know obviously political you know and say they don't want to they, like no. people don't want 
you to be artists and i'm saying you specifically but i'm saying us in general anybody yeah. who's not the the elite class you know much more so you know black and brown communities but anybody poor anybody who doesn't have resources anybody because you know they, they treat the you know poor white folk about the same way mm-hmm. and and they say they, they don't want you to exercise your you know to get better they don't want you to be dancers mm-hmm. if you use the analogy of the story i just yeah. told you yeah. they don't want to say we're going to fund this program so that these kids can learn better. We don't, we don't, they don't Mm-mm. necessarily want you to learn. So, mm-hmm. so in the grand scheme of things, the reason why hip hop can save America and people say, well, you know, what needs saving? That's what needs saving. Right. Right. And the way that we can do that is because we've never as hip hop folk, certainly as you know, black and Brown and any oppressed folk, have to work around the systems. They're, they're not they're not given access, so they find ways to get around it right away. Hip hop is really good at this, mm-hmm. and and it's also really good is because you do pull from different communities, right? And and then you have this allyship that kind of comes naturally. Mm-hmm. So if we could say, what do we got to save? We got to save against in, inequality, inequity, all these social disparities that happen in the world, health. I mean, I, I work on another podcast where we do journalism and social justice work. And, you know, even during coronavirus, like all the the the, the health and, and, and redlining, you know, redline neighborhoods are affected by climate change more disproportionately than others. Like there's so many health things, but the, the powers that be are kind of set in their ways and they've got their own agendas. Mm-hmm. Uh, young people are like, well, we'll just, you know, we'll just raise a lot of ruckus, but we don't really have the focus yet. The hip hop generation kind of knows what to do to coalesce, fight the power, right? And go in and kind of, we just haven't figured it out yet. We just haven't gotten to it yet. Like I said, like you said earlier, hip hop has always been great about doing community. What we have to get to is becoming constituency. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different thing. And we're not there yet. And that's part of part of the work, you know, that you're doing, to be honest, but having these kind of conversations, you know, saying, what can we do on the next level? And I just put out a thing. I'm like, can we stop talking about like how we don't like today's music? I know, I know, I know we don't. And a lot of it has issues and we could talk about that. And those discussions need to be had. But at the same time, we got to be bigging up either a the artists or the individuals or organizations that are doing good stuff because they are they do exist and if you only do one and not the other you're poisoning the the narrative and right. then b rem- remind ourselves that we're old now we our job isn't to like decide who's billboard top 10 our job right. is to bring hip hop into our jobs like you're yeah. doing and yeah. you know and and that's sort of like where we need to focus and we i don't think we've got it yet but yeah. you know it's part of the work I think where I am now, um, because I, I do realize how toxic it is to keep having that conversation about today's hip hop compared to, you know, whatever. And I think where I'm at now is that, you know, I just don't really quite understand why um, artists of our time, if you will, don't just go ahead and put out music. Like, you know, there's no other genre where, you know, like those artists feel like they have to cater to yeah. the newest generation. Like they grow with their, you know, their following. And we don't really seem to have that. It's like, 
either we don't support when they do, right. or they trying to go after the younger generation and be different and sound different than what they did, or, you know, um, they've gone into other areas or whatever. And I just feel like, you know, we, we need it all, you know, like that was the yeah. beauty of hip hop was everybody didn't sound the same. Right. Uh, everybody wasn't talking about the same thing. And for me, I feel like, you know, hip hop at its height was really social media. <laughs> it gave right. us a look into different parts of the world that maybe you would never go to. Right. You know what I mean? So like, it just is, it's, it's really interesting. I, to think I, don't like, know, I, I don't know nothing about gang culture till West coast hip hop. I'm a New right. Yorker. We didn't know about them colors and you know, all that stuff. until we started hearing about our rap songs and we're like, yeah. oh, and we started yeah. learning. It was our journalism. Yeah. That's why I was looking at hip hop as journalism, not, not as something that, you know, should be like journaled, but, it functions as now. It actually it also functions as fiction, right? <laughs> for sure. But we have, you know, we have all of the you know all of it you know all of it within it yeah. because you know you had people who were you know teaching, you had people right. who were educating, you had people who were great storytellers. You know, you had people who just you know they got you up at the party. Right. You know, right. you had it all. You know, I do, I do a whole talk about hip hop and technology. It's a whole like keynote kind of thing I do for t some tech audiences. And I talk about how I learned, remember where I'm coming from. So I'm a white dude, but I'm on Long Island. I'm, I'm in Westbury. It's a predominantly black uh, neighborhood, black, uh, black school district. My dad is a sociologist, teaches sociology of minorities. I knew about gentrification, all these things. I'm, you know, I know about Marcus Garvey when I'm like 12, like who, what, what kid knows that stuff? Like I'm learning all this stuff. But I didn't know nothing <clears throat> about all the brilliant, like, black scientists and inventors throughout American history until KRS-One came out exactly. with You Must Learn. And right. I'm like, and he's breaking down Benjamin Banneker and, you know, and, 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 and all these. And I'm like, yo, and I didn't learn about that. None of my black friends did either. Like, we, we weren't being taught that stuff. So, and that goes back to my other point. Not only did hip hop find a way to, like, deliver us information. But it found a way to go around the education system, which wasn't giving us that information. That's brilliant. Right. Like what what social movement can do that? Right. That's why all the potential's there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Cause I think that we're getting to a place where we need it even more so now than we did back then. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, um, we can sit and we can argue about the idea of like, you know, oh, this news station is for this side and this news station is for this side. And I think that that's what's so important about um, us as podcasters, you know, and still having the ability to um, speak freely, give our opinion um, while we can, because this might be the only place where you might get some truth. So, you know, all of us can't, you know, um, just talk about the latest gossip. Right. All of us can't, you know, talk about who's dating who and, you know, and all of that. Like yeah. some of us are going to have to, you know, kind of 
grab a hold and 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 be like, you know what? Okay, you take care of this part. I'm gonna take care of this part, so we can get this information out there, so we can get stronger, we can get better as a community, and we can start taking care of you know each other and not you know being against each other. Like you have a podcast, okay, cool. Let me I'm gonna get on yours. You get on mine. We're gonna support each other. Yeah. We're gonna you know do what we have to do to do whatever, and it doesn't have to be you know us four and no more. It could right. be of us because like at the end of the day we got to make sure that we are you know looking out for each other and taking care of each other yeah 100 each one teach one right i mean that's yeah. you know but that's how again that's how it was in the beginning i we nobody learned how to we didn't have youtube any any b-boy b-girl from you know our age time or you know or 20 years younger than us mm-hmm. they learned from somebody else right somebody taught them Right. I mean, somebody taught them how to. No one really taught me how to run, but no, I mean, you 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 learn by listening, and you mentioned being around it, yeah. being around it, and then like you you bounce off your sword, sharpen swords, you 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 rhyme it off with your people. So it's you're being around it. So it was always each one teach one, mm-hmm. and now it's like I I could just you know, and th- this is the the problem with the you know that that we tend to have with the younger generation. <clears throat> First of all, I'm not that guy. I think the younger generation. I think there's plenty of talented artists out there. Um, even the ones I don't like are appealing to someone. And so I, I, I'm more question, like, what is it that appeals to them? Mm -hmm. I mean, why do they like this, this person? What Mm -hmm. is it about them? And I've talked to people who really look at this and say, you know, cause when we're older, we look at the the younger folk and we, Dr. Lauren Kelly from Rutgers, uh, tells, told me a great story, which I I always repeat and I'm gonna repeat it now because she says, she's talking to some young folks. She's a, a professor. At Rutgers, and she runs a great organization that I'm a mentor for, and we do this like once a year. It's called the Hip Hop Youth Research and Activism Conference. Mm. It's basically a, a conference, like a, usually a one or two day conference that's run by young college students, and it's hip hop, but it's like research and activism. So it's really like, how can we learn more about hip hop, or how can we use hip hop to mm-hmm. affect social change? So, and it's young people, and they run it. We just sit back and kind of let them do it. We kind of mentor and help them out along the way. And this is brilliant conference and I love doing it. And I'm just blessed that I'm a part of such a movement. And so she tells me on, on the interview on my podcast, she tells me, she goes, I, um, I was talking to some kids one day, we had a little group focus group and we're listening to a uh, birthday song. Uh, and you know, birthday song you know, mm-hmm. one for my birthday is et cetera, et cetera. And they're all, it was a song at a moment. Like it was hot at the moment. They're all into it and they're watching the video and she's like, you know, because she's, you know, she's a woman. She's, you know, but she's not that old, but still like, you know, she's not like elder. Like she's only a few years removed, but she's like, mm-hmm. oh God, you know, like this is what y'all like really into. Like this is, you know, ex- ex- extra. It'd be like watching two live crew and right, being, right, right. Like, a young woman and saying, oh, really? Like this is what y'all. So she says, okay, this is song." she goes, they, they listen to it. They read the lyrics. They watched the video. They watched the video with no audio. And she's like, you know, you see all these women like scantily clad. She goes, I notice you don't see a lot of the face. You just see the body. They got the cake, the shape like a butt, you know, like there's all kind of stuff going on. And it's just a wild scene. And she goes, all right. Y'all like this. Yeah, we love this song. We love this video. Yeah, we love this video. She goes, why? They were like, "Ah, we just, you know, just dig it. She's like, all right, but like, is this what's like, what y'all want to be like, is this what you want to do? They're like, nah, nah, nah. She's like, what do you mean? So th- is this what you want your birthday party to look like? Cause it's a birthday, so, right? It's a birthday. They were like, no. She's like, I don't understand. Then why do you love it so much? And they're like, we don't want to do this. 
we want to be able to do this if we wanted to. That's funny. I said, oh, wow. They said, they said, I don't, I wouldn't do this, but I'd love to have a big birthday party. I could afford to have all my peoples come and we're drinking and celebrating and there's cakes and maybe there's, you know, people, but it's not like that. It's just like everyone's partying. We're having a good time because my birthday and I, I, they want the freedom. Right. They want the power. They want the access. They want the equality mm-hmm. that they see elsewhere. I said, well, that just blew my mind because all a lot of us older heads, we just look down upon their choices in their music and think mm-hmm. that, that they're just that there's some def, like um like like I said the devil just got into all our kids no because first of all like I said in the show the other night I said you know mob deep gunshots used to make us levitate and little Kim used to be scared of that thing before she you know put her lips to it so it's not like we didn't know none of this this wasn't happening for us no we yeah it's 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 nothing new yeah but to to parse that knowledge about how our kids look at that. And the last thing I'll say, I, you know, I don't want to take up too much time babbling, but <laughs> the last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, the older heads will joke, not even joke. Some will be like dead serious, be like we used to rap about selling drugs and they just rap about taking drugs. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. And I'm like, first of all, like the former is better. Like, I mean, like, I, but hold on. <laughs> but the implication then is like our kids are soft. Our kids are punks. Our kids are emo and that. And I'm like, well because I've talked to mental health professionals that will use that song or use that artist as a way to connect with the young people. Like, okay, I don't relate to this song. We weren't self-medicating like that. I mean, we, you know, we would do our things and some of us were on even more hardcore drugs. And, you know, that was a problem because you're self-medicating to avoid, to take away pain and trauma. Right. So a, we should recognize that as being, this is all they're doing because we did it. You know what I mean? Especially if you come from, you know, neighborhoods with this trauma where you, I mean, your whole life is PTSD, right? I mean, right. so you, 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 all that is that, all that is covering trauma. So when you hear your kids is actually rapping about it or, or your kids are connecting to an artist that's rapping about it. Well, number one, we should feel that that's better, right? That our kids are able to, if not rap their, their feelings, at least relate to an artist that's, telling you and and you could so now forget i'm i'm you gonna insult your kids taste in music i'm taking my kid to a therapist because i just learned something about my kid by who they're listening to and who they're connected to and what issues they find in common with their Mm -hmm. with their kids so if we spent so i'm not saying that there isn't a giant corporate controlled terrible thing that profits over you know particularly black you know, trauma and death and violence. Yes, of course. But we're not going to solve it. I don't think this is me. Just, I'm just a guy. Yeah. We're not going to solve it by just complaining about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So we got to take what we can get out of it, use it positively, and also do this work that we're talking about in the background to change the conditions and the mindset and the mentality of the young people that are absorbing that that the, that kind of stuff so that they themselves want to produce and 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 create different stuff as my yeah. as my as my homie homeboy sam man wants loves to remind me and i think it just happened again outcast is the most you know biggest selling hip-hop record in in in, in history mm. not no violence not no gang banging not no eminem killing his wife not no it's outcast 
creativity and honesty and authenticity. Mm -hmm. If you put that back in their heads and get them to feel good about themselves and stop them from being blocked at the doorway to the schools and give them arts programs that they can get into and 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 show them love and show them compassion and, and, and use that music that they connect to as a way to connect to them. We can get we could change it from within and then the industry is going to have to follow because those young people will end up or, you know, we hope being in those positions of power to make those decisions, to make the signings, to run the labels, to, and they're figuring it out because they, they're, they're working this digital game like nobody else. Right. This music industry, I don't care. They're all dinosaurs now. I, I'm, I'm not going to these panels and things to find out what old people are doing because it's all different now. Young mm -hmm. people are going to find a way. But if you don't give them that, that sense of, you know, agency, right, then they'll never figure that part out. And if all right. we do is downplay them or ignore them or dismiss them, they'll never find that that power. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree and I appreciate you. You know, <laughs> I definitely appreciate you. Yeah. Um, you know, this has been such an awesome conversation. I could not have planned this better myself, you know, in my wildest dreams. Like I never imagined like literally the person who, you know, I look to when I was ready to get started, like, okay, this is, you know, his whole situation is dope, it's different, but it's important. And never thought in a million years I would, you know, actually have you on. So I'm grateful. And this is such a great way to end okay. this season. Um, can, I just, can I just say this? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's the same for me. Like knowing how you feel, like, you know, we do this sometimes in a, in a, not in a vacuum, but you know, that's validation. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, it makes me say, well, you know, I got to keep doing it now. Cause there's people out there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, but I'm happy to do so. And I'm, I'm very honored and touched and uh, I will do my best to continue earning your respect and anyone else's that pays attention to what I do. So thank you for that. I definitely appreciate it. So to everyone, um, you know, who catches the replay, watch the live, you know, just share. We appreciate you. You know, this has been a really fun journey. It was it was really just um, something that was laid on my heart to do, you know, and um, I'm so thankful that I did. I want to thank my uh, sometimes the co-host. Taryn and my super producer Ashley for going down this rabbit hole with me and supporting me like no other. I want to thank my family, all my friends, and everyone who's just you know jumped in and you know and watched over um, this past few months or whatever. Thank you for allowing me to be me and for you know being able to um, just have the conversations that I've had. Thank you guys for your prayers, for your love and support. I am really looking forward to season two, um, just getting bigger and better and bringing you guys some real, um, you know, dope conversations and, and um, everything, you know, if you have not yet, please go like and subscribe to the pages. Um, even though we might not be doing our lives, we will still be engaging. Um, we'll be sharing some dope stuff that's going on behind the scenes and, um, you know, and just kind of some little clips just to remind y'all what we, you know, what we've done this year. Um, so again, thank you, you know, um, follow us at beatsperminute.pod um, and on YouTube, we are 
Beats Per Minute podcast. You can listen to us on um, Spotify, on Apple Music every weekend. Um, but yeah, this has been a great end to, you know, this season. So I, I'm, I'm honored and I'm thankful. A little emo. <laughs> Congratulations. I will see it's hard to do this stuff. People yeah, don't know how yeah. hard it is. You know, and this is totally, you know, out my lane and, and you really, you know, find yourself putting yourself out there. But I'm I'm so grateful and I'm, you know, I'm so grateful to the guests that have been on. You know, um, I've been blessed to have made some connections and relationships with different people. And I would love to shout out everybody, but I don't want to hold everybody because I know that we in the midst of, you know, the Braves playing and we got football. And so I know I need to get off of here, but I want to give a special shout out to my brother, um, DJL David Lopez, who, you know, he he took my um, my heart's desire to make sure that my brother was included in my intro and mixed it all up for me. And, um, you know, I'm so appreciative, um, L, for for all your help. My big brother, DJ Swell, just for all your love and support. My, again, my family, you know, my niece, Natala, thank you for joining on. We about to get off of here. I appreciate you for everything. Um, and just all the legends that have been on, you know, Sparky D, um, you know, Viciously from Death 4, Willie D for, you know, coming on here. Um, there's a couple interviews that I still got to do that I didn't get to this year. And like I said, I'm, I'm so looking forward to just having some dope conversations with dope people in season two, um, more just merging the hip hop with the health and, and helping people. Um, you know, my, my heart is with the hip hop community today. I know we had, you know, a couple, you know, um, losses and, um, you know, but right now I want to just, you know, again, send some healing energy to, um, you know, my friend Van Silk, who has been just an awesome person in my life, you know, and um, Van, you know, let's, you got this man, you know what I mean? So um, I'm, get off of here. Mandy, again, thank you. I'm looking forward to all you got going on and maybe doing some more in the future. Yeah. I appreciate you for hanging out with me on this Thursday. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, can't wait to just even watch what you got going on. And, and so I, I need mm -hmm. to give you this moment real quick mm -hmm. to let them know about Monday nights. Yeah, the new, the new iteration of Hip Hop Can Save America uh, is Monday nights. It's a live stream. We'll still be taking interviews like within there and and ripping them out for the audio crowd. But for the you know folks that like this kind of stuff, interacting, throwing a two cents in. We had a good time the other night on the pilot show. Uh, I think we might be mm -hmm. onto something. So we'll be doing that Monday yeah. at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but I do a slew of things that if you're listening, if you're friends with not just any old Thursday, but Ms. Thursday, if you, you know... <laughs> Not just not just someone that beyond Thursdays. No, no, you own yeah. Thursdays. If you're someone that's that's messing with you, you'll probably mess with a lot of stuff that I do. So easiest thing to do is just mannyfaces.com and and all my stuff branches off from there. I've, I've set it up pretty nice. Um, yes. You know, find me, follow me, and uh, for you, my friend, uh, please yell anytime, and we'll we'll whatever I could do to uh, you know um, you know whatever I could do. Appreciate you. I yeah. appreciate. Yeah. All right. Well, we close right. by. We gonna have to link up in real life one of these days. Oh, we, we, we definitely doing that I'm very. Right, soon. I'm right down the block. 
Yeah, definitely whenever. Looking forward to it. All, All right. right. Well, you enjoy your evening and thank you again. You know, appreciate everybody. Make sure you like and share and subscribe and you know, tune in for what we got coming for season two. Thank you. Hello, little sister. How are you? Great proud of you and your accomplishments. Uh, let me